Friday edition of Live at Five Sports with Todd and Suhan. Bill in for Todd this week, and Jim, of course, uh, a Star Tribune columnist and Talk North uh, podcast uh, host. And, of course, we're brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Well, uh, we were just chatting before going live here, uh, Jim. What a fun atmosphere last night at Target Field, and it wouldn't have been quite as fun had the Twins not, uh, you know, completed the comeback, but still it was great entertaining baseball. It was two first-place teams, beautiful night at Target Field, one of the great ballparks in in America, and uh, two, I think, very likable teams, and two teams that, you know, you can't ever take for granted a winning season because they don't have the revenues that a lot of the coastal teams have. And, and I lived in Texas for a while, and I spent some time around the Rangers. I'm glad to see them do it. And Bruce Boshi is one of the great managers of all time. So I think that I think they're a really cool story. And the Twins, uh, for once, they got a subpar outing by their starter, and they won it with their bats. I think that's an encouraging sign. You know, I've been talking about their young hitters, uh, Walner, Royce Lewis, Jeffers, Julianne. This is a group that they take good at bats. They can hit it over the fence. They can hit it to all fields. Uh, this is pretty promising. You know, you know, it feels like, and I said this on my podcast with Lavelle last night, it feels like a team of components. Excellent starting pitching, very good closer, but a shallow bullpen, a couple of veteran high-played players in Cray and Buxton who aren't producing the way they need to, and then a wave of young players who, you know, you don't know exactly what to expect from them, but it made me flash back something Dan Gladden once told me. He said, yeah, of course you want your veterans to perform and all that's important. He said, but nothing lifts a franchise more than a group of young players coming in and playing with enthusiasm and, you know, kind of with their eyes wide open. And we're seeing that right now with this group. Yeah, it's a great point. You know, and, and it was really fun to see Josh Walner, I mean, excuse me, Josh, Josh Winder come in and really, you know, pitch that well. That's kind of the way he looked really early in the season, it seemed like. Yeah, he's an interesting guy. He uh, he's never really been a top prospect. He has pretty good size. He has decent stuff, and he's just one of those guys who's going to have to pitch with great command and great intelligence to to survive in the major leagues. And last night he shut down a great hitting lineup. I know they haven't been as good lately, but they certainly are capable of being, you know, beat up on Pablo Lopez, which is hard to do. And uh, I think that was you know. Who knows? You never know when it's just one good game. You never know if it's a sign of thing to come. We, we spend way too much time projecting. Uh, those of us who watch baseball, maybe it was just a good outing, which would be fine. But it, it, they need arms. You know, they're going to need arms in this busy stretch of the schedule against good teams, and maybe he can contribute more. You know, it's easy to overlook, and, uh, you know, I've kind of been disenchanted with uh, his production all year. You kind of touched on it with Correa, but you can't really uh, eliminate his big hit, too, uh, you know, over the center fielder's head that tied the game, even though it looked like the Texas pitcher was pretty exasperated with his center fielder. I think that ball was crushed. I think the, the pitcher should not get hit that hard if he wants balls to be caught. Um, uh, Correa has been better over the last month or so. Not great, but better. And he, he keeps on having these spurts where you go, okay, he's breaking out of it, and then he go back, goes back into the slump. At this point, it doesn't really matter anymore that he had a bad start. What matters is what he does from now on, and in the postseason. And his, his, his year-end numbers are not going to look good. It's too late in the season to really save the numbers. He just needs to get big hits. That's what they need from him. He needs him to get big hits, and he, he's been excellent defensively all year. So if he can just get big hits for them from here on out, then the numbers won't really matter. Sonny Gray tonight uh, seems to me to be about as bad luck a pitcher as the Twins have had since maybe uh, you know Jack Kralik. <laughs> 
<laughs> but, but anyway, uh, then Joel Ryan getting back on the hill tomorrow. Uh, what what can we expect from him, do you think? I don't know. I would guess he's, I mean, he's a very well-conditioned young guy. Uh, you know, he only had one rehab start. You know, I would guess they're just looking for five innings and get him out of there. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how he pitches. Uh, you know, he obviously was having a great season before he had the groin strain. Um, and Sonny Gray has pitched in terrible luck this year. There's no way around. It always feels like there's one guy in the staff who doesn't get run support, and there's no rhyme or reason to it. It just happens, and this year's Sonny Gray's year. Well, we were wondering how the Lynx would respond. It was a really tight game at halftime, but they must have figured something out or made some adjustments and kind of took control of that game. Uh, did the star play for Dallas? I didn't get a chance to watch it. Sabali did not play, which, of course, is a great advantage for, for the Lynx. Uh, I thought the Lynx came out and played some of their best offensive basketball of the season. First half, just beautiful ball movement, getting themselves shots, really unselfish. Uh, and then second half, you know, two of the most of their two best veteran players, uh, Collier and McBride, really carried them. Uh, they had a big lead. Uh, Dallas fought back, and then uh, Collier made her free throws down the stretch, and McBride had a big three. Collier had just a kind of a superstar performance. McBride had a very good shooting performance. And now they're one game out of the fourth seed, which is really the most you could have ever expected out of this team this year, something like the fourth seed. Uh, And, of course, they're only two games ahead of the eighth seed. So six games left, very good New York team coming to town on Saturday night. Um, But, you know, hey, they're going to be in the playoffs. They're probably going to be a middling seed, and I do think that's a win for them in this season. We touched on this early in the week, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, Anthony Edwards has been the leader on this American team that's going to be competing now in the World Cup starting tomorrow. Uh, I I was surprised to see the U.S. hasn't won this uh, championship since 2014. Well, they usually send kind of a B squad, you know. I mean, you're not going to see LeBron James or Michael Jordan or, you know, pick, pick Steph Curry on this team. Of course, not all stars play in the actual Olympic team, but usually get about 80% of the guys they want for that team. This is really kind of the more younger guys trying to uh, ingrain themselves in USA basketball and build up to be an Olympic choice at some point in their career. It's not the the A team. Now, that being said, it's a pretty good team, and Edwards has absolutely taken over the leadership of it. College football getting underway this weekend. I see Notre Dame and Navy play in Dublin. But uh, they're making a big deal on Fox because they have it on TV. Of course, Neon Deion Sanders uh, coaching Colorado. How do you think that's going to work out? I don't know. Dion. Uh, listen, he's very knowledgeable. Uh, he should have the ability to recruit pretty well. But to me, it's really hard when your coach wants it to be all about him. And I just don't, I just don't really trust Dion to run a program the right way. Uh, you know, if, if he's wrong, I'll admit I'm wrong. If he proves me wrong, I'll admit I'm wrong. But I'm just not sure I see him being the answer at that program right now. What, uh, you know, when you talk about being all about yourself, I mean, uh, some people kind of accused uh, P.J. Fleck a little bit about uh, that. You know, he doesn't have the notoriety, obviously, Sanders does. But uh, what's your take on that? Is it too much P.J. or uh, is he uh, is, is he got things balanced out with the Gophers? Well, he's he's done well overall. He's had one big breakthrough historic season, and he's kept the team competitive in other seasons. I thought last year was a great disappointment. I think that's a year you're going to look back for a long time and say, okay, you had a bunch of six-year seniors. You had you know 
uh, a very uh, an incredibly experienced quarterback. You had one of the best running backs in the country. You had one of the best offensive lines in the country. You had defensive talent, and you didn't do anything with it. You know, and the easiest schedule you ever had. No Ohio State, no Michigan on a year when Ohio State and Michigan were dominant. Uh, to me, it was just all set up for them. And so I think what happened last year, even though the record looks fine, I thought that was a big disappointment. So it's going to be really interesting to see if P.J., coming off that, can inject some life into the program with a new young quarterback and having to replace Mo and, and, you know, and some really good offensive linemen. This is a, to me, this is a very good test of his, uh, of his coaching prowess. Now, in terms of personality, you know, he's, he's not trying to make me happy, and he's succeeding in not making me happy. Uh, <laughs> he is trying to make 18-year-old kids happy. He's trying to show off. He's trying, and I understand. I understand it all. I'm just ne- it's just never going to be for me. You know, the, the buzzwords, the cliches, the, the slogans, and also the fact that we know from, you know, a lot of stories that have been done about this program is he, he, like, he wants people to treat him like a king. He walks in a room, he wants people to stand up. He wants people to repeat his buzz phrase constantly. I'm not a group think person. I'm an individual think person. I'm never going to like that stuff. But all that really matters to the fan base is that he wins. And it took him a long time, but now they have officially declared next Thursday night's game a sellout. But when you're only, you know, putting 50,000 people in when some of your, uh, uh, you know, competitors have over 100,000 seats, I, I often think the Gophers are a little bit at a disadvantage, uh, especially in the football department. Well, they are, uh, but you don't want to have a 100,000-seat stadium and sell 30,000 tickets for a game. It would just look bad. So I, I, and you have to create demand. Um, and Michigan and Ohio State just have it made. You know, it's an imbalanced sport. We have to recognize it's an imbalanced sport. Um, and PJ's just got to fight that fight. And, again, he, overall, he's done pretty well. Um, this will be a very interesting year, though. Well, Jim, have a great weekend, and it was sure fun to watch the Twins. I hope they can keep this rolling here now on this homestand, and this is really fun baseball when you're in the race and these games matter. It is. I'm enjoying it, and I really do like this group of young players. They're easy to, very easy to root for.